Well, if you were wondering why you had a hard time finding parking this evening, well, it's because at the same time we're having Holy Mass across the, the parking lot there in the hall, we have our annual craft feed going on right now. And it's going to be a packed house. We sold out all of the tickets, so, so the people are, are coming at the same time as Mass. So it's a genius plan on my part to have it at the same time. So. <laughs> and of course, I want to welcome all of the Notre Dame families here. As you saw, the readers, the lecturers are our amazing students from, from Notre Dame. And it's great to have all the families that are present here. You know, for many of the families, we have about 300 kids at the school across town there. And the parents, of course, make a lot of sacrifices to pay and to have their kids go to our, our beautiful school there. And look, always the question is, why, why would you send your child to a Catholic school versus, say, a public school? You know, especially as somebody who went through all public school, I've never even, my first Catholic school was seminary. And so why make that sacrifice and take that added financial hardship? The always question is, what does Catholic school provide versus a non-Catholic school? And I dare say it's two reasons. What our Catholic schools beautifully impart or strives to be at our best, is dignity and purpose. Dignity and purpose. Think back now, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. In that beautiful line of Genesis, when God is creating, it said that every single human being is created in the imago dei, the image and likeness of God. That idea, when we hear that now, seems commonplace. Of course, every person is creating God's image and likeness. Ah, no, but when, not when that line was written. That every single human being is creating God's image and likeness, has profound dignity. And oh, when we seep that into our bones, you know what happens? That my dignity is rooted and that I am the son of God and not anything else. That gives me freedom if you think about it, if I'm creating God's image and likeness, then it doesn't matter how much money I have, how beautiful my body is, or what part of a, what social group I'm a part of, or my job title. Oh, when we finally realize our true dignity in God, I am unchained by what the world says my value is. I could be a beggar on the street lying in the gutter and I have the same value and worth as the President of the United States. No different. Freedom when we realize our dignity and purpose. In the Gospel today, oh, our Lord gives us that second quality of what our Catholic education gives our young people. What is the purpose of life? You know, growing up in public school, you know what the purpose of life was? It wasn't even given. It didn't even broach that subject. And rightly so, 
schools. It's public schools, so they're limited. What is the purpose of life? Jesus in the gospel is continuing. If, as you remember what we heard on last Sunday, we have in Matthew 5 the continuation from last Sunday of the Beatitudes. So remember, especially for those who came to Mass here at St. Mary's, remember, recall, Jesus ascends the mountain and he gives us the Beatitudes. And for the first century Jew, what happens when you see somebody ascending a mountain? Immediately, you think of Moses on Mount Sinai, Exodus chapter 19. On that pivotal event, Moses is given on that mountaintop the Ten Commandments. God reveals the moral life of his, of his sons and daughters. And then Jesus, on that mountain, would give us those beatitudes, and he deepens the commandments. Because remember, the Ten Commandments, all external. I could pretend to follow the Ten Commandments, but my heart could be as hard as a rock. But with the Beatitudes, which you outlined last Sunday, there's no faking it. The Beatitudes, which he gives on the Sermon of the Mount, requires an inner transformation of my heart to convert. There's no faking the eight, uh, the eight Beatitudes. And oh, it is hard to be faithful. Is it easy to be a faithful Christian? <laughs> no, it is not. But we should strive for it. You know what hangs in the balance? If I'm simply a mediocre Christian. We all honor greatness, don't we? Of course, we build statues of our greatest heroes. We honor the Medal of Honor, you know, our soldiers who go off into battle and they risk their lives and they're awarded by the president himself for their heroic acts. We honor our kids at the schools with awards who do well. So if you notice this, we all honor excellence. Do you want to be a mediocre Christian? Or how about this? All of you rightly demand that I be a holy priest. Amen? <laughs> Absolutely. You deserve nothing less. What if I was a mediocre and I, I, I just gave a lukewarm example of what it means to be a priest? Would you look at me and say, I want to be like him? Absolutely not. You have no respect for me. You demand, and rightly so, the highest standard of your priests. Because what happens if we don't? Jesus tells us. Oh, look at the words of our Lord here. So he, he lays out the Beatitudes last Sunday. And then immediately after he gives us the Beatitudes, he gives us this rousing speech. 
So imagine the Lord now speaking to you and to me. He's looking at you in your eyes. Could you imagine that gaze, by the way? The intensity of Jesus' eyes looking upon you. And he's looking dead at you, and he says, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are a city set on a mountain that cannot be hidden. Jesus gives us three images of what the Christian is called to be. The salt of the earth, the light of the world, and a city so brilliant it's on a hill that everybody sees. That is the purpose of why we exist as Christians. Where in this do you hear, just be mediocre? Says nothing about that at all. Notice salt, light, city on a hill. All of these three images that Jesus gives us as Christians, as the purpose of our life, they do not exist by themselves. In fact, they exist for the other. Notice this, salt. What is salt? You don't just lick salt. You're a weirdo if you do. (laughs) What do we do? Salt exists to be put on food. It elevates, just like right now in the hall. Salt is elevating the crab, right? Elevates it. And our beautiful people will be stuffing their faces full of crab. Salt is used to preserve. Because remember, this is a time period where we had no refrigeration, so salt was used to preserve meat and dishes and to elevate this flavor. Of course, we know. So salt does not exist in and of itself. You and I are light. What is light? We actually can't see light. What does light do? Light illuminates other things, doesn't it? You walk into a dark room, all of a sudden, boom, turn on the light. Ah, It lights up the couch so we don't stub our toe. So light exists to illuminate. Light purifies, doesn't it? The city set on a hill. It is the image of guidance. The Christian, if we do our job well, is to be a beacon to others of how they should live. We are called to be an inspiration to all those around us by how we justly live through the holiness and purity of our lives. People are supposed to look upon us and say, I want to live like you. There's something beautiful about how you exist. Something amazing, and I want to emulate my life to be, a, to be a hero. And we look upon our heroes as people that we should strive to be like. Salt, light, the city set upon a hill. And then Jesus now, he also gives us, conversely, what happens if we fail? 
If a salt loses its taste, what can it be seasoned with? It is no longer good for anything. Look what happens when Christians fail. The 20th century is the prime example of what happens when we don't live up to our true purpose. One of the worst political ideologies to ever exist is communism. Communism is responsible for about a hundred million dead the last century. Where does communism arrive from? It comes out of Russia, which is a Christian nation. Who else was a horrible figure of the last 20th century? We know when we studied him in the concentration camps of World War II. Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was a baptized Catholic. the scourges of the two world wars of the 20th century. All of the nations of Europe are Christian nations. Do you see what happens when we fail? Or how about something closer to home? We're all accustomed to the last 20 years, what have we been battling as a church? The scourge of the abuse scandal, where priests failed in the most solemn duty to protect the most cherished little ones. And how that's devastated us and has touched us and rocked us to the core. These men who were called to serve in the place of Jesus Christ but now abused to abuse. Do you see how dark it is when we fail to be the salt and the light of the earth? Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he wrote that famous book, The Gulag Archipelago. Solzhenitsyn wrote about his experiences in the labor camps of, of, the, of the Soviet Union. He said this powerfully, that the dividing line between good and evil cuts through every single human heart. Meaning, I have the ability, when I walk into a room, and I use this image in one of my earliest homilies when I first got here with you. I could walk into a room, and I could either tilt that room closer to heaven or closer to hell by my life. Jesus is telling us as Christians, we are called to shift our entire civilization closer to heaven. That is what hangs in the balance. So let me ask you, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, do you want to be mediocre? Or would you rather be a saint? I don't know you, but I know what I'm striving for. Because you deserve it. And nothing less than perfection is what the world needs of us. 